for perhaps the last time this year. The Mac Observer's Mac Keycap, episode 907, for Monday, December 27th, 2021. <laughs> Greetings, folks, and welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Keycap, the show where you send in your tips, your questions, your cool stuff found. We take all of that stuff. We string it together. We try to have some answers for your questions. We try to uh, have our own cool stuff found sometimes to share our own quick tips. The goal is, no matter what we do and how we do it, that each of us gets to learn five new things, at least each episode, each week when we get together. Sponsors for this episode include... Imperfectfoods.com, where you save 20% off with promo code MGG. Truebill.com slash MGG, saving you thousands per year. You get your first five grand managed for free for life at wealthfront.com slash MGG. And we'll talk about Otherworld Computing's new mini stack STX, which is a very cool thing. We'll do all that shortly here. For now, here in Durham, New Hampshire, I'm Dave Hamilton. And here in snow laden. Fairfield, Connecticut. This is John F. Braun. How are you? Is the snow uh, like are you supposed to get lots today? Nah, it's it's melting away. Oh, OK. OK. But um, yeah, we got a little dusting, away. but, you know, it's kind of nice for the yeah. season. Oh, yeah, for uh, sure. White Christmas and all that great stuff. Right. So this comes out on the 27th. But as most of you know, we record uh, on Fridays usually. So we're recording this on Christmas Eve, the 24th. And uh you can always join us for the recordings at live.macgeekab.com. We would love to, uh, we'd love to have you there. If you go to macgeekab.com slash calendar, you can subscribe to the very calendar that we use here. And, uh, and of course, if you just go to macgeekab.com, you can subscribe to the mailing list that will send out the show notes each and every week. We string, we really, uh, Work hard to make sure that our show notes are super valuable for you. You can have them emailed to you, as I said, by going to the site, MacGeekab.com. Uh, but they all, we also put in chapter markers and timestamps in them so that when you're listening in your car or on your phone or wherever, uh, most podcast players now let you skip around by chapter. So if we start talking about, say, something about an Apple Watch and you don't have an Apple Watch, no problem. Skip forward. Go to the next one. It's totally fine. Yeah. So, uh so we do that for yeah, you. Yeah. I don't yet have one, but we'll talk about something else that I just purchased from Apple. Um, coming up, coming up, and cool stuff found. Episode. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, man. All right, let's do this. Let's uh, let's get to some quick tips, shall we? Indeed. Ben Ben shares one. He says, "My partner wanted to share her password to log into a particular service using my Mac, where I was logged into my user instead of hers." Instead of manually dictating or transcribing from her device with the stored password to mine, I thought, wait, we can use live text. I captured the text string using my iPhone camera, copied it, and then pasted it on my Mac. So easy. I like it. This is not flawless. I have tried this after I got Ben's email. I was like, this is amazing. And I was doing something last night, which we will talk about later in the show as well, that required copying something similar to a password uh, the same way. And it, it like, it turned, uh, it was weird. It like, it turned a lowercase O into a capital O and there was something, Oh, and a G into a Q or vice versa. 
But there were there were two things that were wrong. And it was like, thankfully, we weren't doing passwords so we could see what we were pasting in on on both sides. And it was like, wait, 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 let's compare. Ah, this is a problem. It's like, can you copy that and text it to me instead? Which is another way of doing it. Uh, slightly, slightly less secure because you're as well. If you're using iMessage, it's end to end encrypted. But this is a good thing. It, it is worth trying. It, it just, you know, it's not a flawless technology, but I, I love this idea. It's fantastic. So is good. Uh, let's see. You got a quick tip for us uh, to share from from Thad, I think. Right, John? Yes. Um, so Thad says in Mac Geek Ab 902, you mentioned that option command power button will sleep a Mac. This command has actually been part of macOS for a long time, and for Macs without a power button on the keyboard, option command eject does the trick. So, thank you for that. As long as your keyboard has an eject. Yeah. Well, not all of them do anymore, right? Because most Macs don't have, I mean, Macs don't come with ejectable drives. You know, there's no removable storage anymore. And it, I mean, mm -hmm. it's, USB drives are removable, but you get what I'm saying. It's different. Cool. That's good. Yeah. Fun. All right. Let's uh, let's see. Ben, I think it's just a different Ben who has one for us from 904. Uh, it says in 904, you said you couldn't find a way to quickly toggle do not disturb in macOS Monterey. Maybe this episode or your experience happened before macOS 12.1, where you can now option click the clock just like you could in Big Sur. Additionally, if you click Control Center, you can click the Crescent Moon button to toggle Do Not Disturb, which matches the behavior in Big Sur and iOS 15. I, I tested this. He's absolutely right, which is amazing. Uh, it Either one of these, for me, set Do Not Disturb, that specific focus mode, Do Not Disturb, uh, until 7 a.m. the following morning. That was what it did for that. So this is a temporary thing, which I like. That's great. So um, thank you for that, Ben. Very cool. This is what we love quick tips for is like these little things because they are somewhat life changing when you learn them. And that's why we do it. Uh, speaking of life changing, my son, we were looking at something. We have a couple of shared notes, which are a really handy way to uh, to do things. I don't know, we do them with all kinds of things. We do them with you know menus like for Christmas Day. Right. We're, we're having people over. And so we're planning a menu and, and things like that. But we also do it when we travel. I have an Airbnb shopping list, right? All the things that I want to buy when I check into an Airbnb at the grocery store. And so I don't check in at the grocery store. It's all the things I want to buy at the grocery store. When I check into an Airbnb, I, I reverse the way those clauses were. But I'm guessing you folks figured it out because you're a discerning audience. Uh, the <laughs> the um, Well, if you selected this show, you're a discerning audience. Maybe not discerning enough, but discerning nonetheless. Uh so anyway, we have these bunch of shared notes and they're great because they do update like on everybody's phones in, in real time. But there was something where it was like, who put that on there? You know, I like, I don't I remember having the conversation, but I remember putting it on there. And my son went and found the uh, shared note history so that we knew who put it on there and when. Uh, and, and you can get to shared note history by going to a shared note and then, uh, and then you there's the there's the shared people in the upper right. And if you tap on that, you can say show all activity and it will show you, you know, on December 19th, it says I made edits on August 7th for this particular note. My daughter made edits. Uh, so, you know, it's um, 
it's handy. You can see, and then you can, so if you tap on that, then you can see which edits it'll highlight, which things that person either added or removed or changed. I don't think I've ever done a shared note. How do you make a shared note? Excellent friend? question. So you, uh, let's say I want to share this note that I have. That's not shared. So I would go in notes and uh, open the note and then at least on my phone in the upper right, I tap the three little dots in a circle. And from there, there's an option share note and you can um, I send it via messages and that way I can choose, you know, how people are are sharing it. But uh, but you could send it via mail or or anything like that. But, yeah, I send it via messages and then. uh and then the share options are people that you're sending it to. You can set their permission to be view only or that they can make changes. And you can also choose whether the people you're sharing it with couldn't share it with new people. So I could share with you and say, but John's not allowed to share with others. Like it just, you know, I, I want to be in control or whatever, you know. So, yeah, you know, shared notes are, are awesome. Really great for this kind of thing. Um, so, you know, we I'm not seeing it. Um I'm not seeing anything on notes on my on your Mac Mac mini. All right. Well, let's see, because I'm I'm not on Monterey up here in the studio either. But shared notes has been a thing for a long time. And this is a good one. So, yeah, if you open up a note on your on your Mac uh, or just you don't even have to open it, just like select it so that it's displayed Mm -hmm. in the three pane view. And then the the, um, in the upper right, you have uh, the little people (gasps) with the plus sign. Ah, okay, okay. And that's where you choose where to share it. Let me see. Oh, look at that. Okay, share note. Yeah. It's a great, I love this part of it. And it's fun, like on our Airbnb shopping list, we're messing with the kids. Well, I'm going to share this story. I don't know what it'll say about our family, but um, (laughs) it's fine. The, uh, you know, we had this Airbnb shopping list note. And then for some reason, like we... We were using the family. We have I have two of these, actually, one that's just for me and Lisa when it's just us traveling because there's no reason for the kids to see that shopping list. And then and then there's you know the one that we have amongst the four of us. And for whatever reason, we were using it must have been like after we dropped my son off at school or something. Uh, but, you know, we we dropped him off and he was so he was part of the trip at the beginning and then he wasn't part of the trip at the end. And so it was just Lisa and I. And so I put uh, after, you know, the kids had sort of departed from we'd split apart uh I put at the top of the Airbnb shopping list, the big bag of weed so that the kids would see that and be like, oh, what are, what's going on here? Like, what's the matter with our parents? <laughs> so I never heard anything about it from the kids. They know not to give me the satisfaction of a reaction when I do things like that. So <laughs> it's smart. Like, I, I don't blame them because like, look at me. I, you know, you don't want to encourage this sort of behavior. So. <laughs> <sighs> anyway, now you know more about our family. Okay. Um... I don't know what that says to anybody. But anyway, Tony has a quick tip and he is going to save us from this silliness that is happening here. Uh, let's see where I've got to find it, though, because there's lots of stuff in here. There's, we have lots of Tonys. Listen, uh, Tony reminds us. But again, with quick tips, if you don't know, then it's not a reminder. You get to learn a new thing, which is amazing in iOS. Uh Tony says, I never realized I could trash from mail just by holding my finger on the archive button a moment longer. And what he means is if you have it so that the default button 
in mail when you're reading a message is archive. Now, you could have the default button to be trash. You can choose between the two, whether it's, you know, the, the button is archive or the button is trash. Whichever one it is, if you hold down on it, it will give you a little menu and you can choose the other one. So if it's archive, you can, as Tony says, you can hold it down and it changes and it'll let you choose trash. And of course, if it's trash, you can hold it down and choose archive. And that's a super handy feature. I love that about um, mail. I love being it, like I always mail for triaging mail. It's not as efficient as doing it with a mouse and a keyboard on my Mac for sure. But it's not bad. Like it's doable with especially with swiping and you can swipe left to delete and swipe right to to archive or vice versa. Again, depending on how you have those options set up. But um, but yeah, it's it's pretty good. So thanks, Tony. I like it. Good stuff. Yeah, I've been having to use the junk feature as of late. Mm. Mm. So uh, my bank um, supposedly keeps sending me emails saying, oh, your account's been suspended, blah, blah, blah. Sure. And I'm like, ah, oh, not again. Well, it's because, it, I mean, look, it, like, obviously, like, they know that now they, once they figured out who you were, obviously they suspended mm-hmm. the account. Like, I mean, that's what, that's what happened. <laughs> But All no, right. what, what clued me in is that the text of the from has bogus characters. Oh, in it. Yeah, sure. Sure. To avoid the spam filters, I think, because I'm like, well, first off, it's from Citibank. Uh, they don't really go by that name anymore. <laughs> so what is Citi? They just go by City. Is that right? Uh, yes. OK. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I have I accounts with Citibank. And they're like, oh, it's from Citibank and I have Citibank accounts like yeah. you probably do. And I do. Many I used, do, I used but... to work there. They, they I think mm-hmm. some of my accounts are still free because I worked there. Just nice. It's been, it, like my kids did not know me when I worked there. That was a long time ago, but yeah. Mm-hmm. All, right, All right. Let's um, we've got, we've got more tips and questions from you, more tips and questions from us. Cool stuff found from us. And we have uh, some sponsors, which I'd love to do next, if uh, if that works for you, Mr. Braun. Um, okay. <laughs> All right. Hey, look, it's time to talk about Otherworld Computing and their brand new Mini Stack STX, which is the world's first Thunderbolt 4 certified storage and hub expansion solution. So this thing, it's the same size as a Mac Mini. In fact, it's they call it the Mini Stack for a reason. It's built to stack your Mac mini on top of. And what it gives you is a Thunderbolt 4 hub with four total ports. So you, one of them goes you know, upstream to your, to your Mac, and obviously it could be a Mac mini. And then the other three are there available for you to connect to you know, millions of Thunderbolt, USB-C, and even future USB-4 devices and accessories. But that's not all, because... Inside is a universal hard drive or SSD bay and an NVMe M.2 SSD slot so that you can configure it with storage. You can buy it empty or you can you know, buy it with storage direct from from OWC and it can even be combined in a RAID 1 configuration. Right. So you've got all these options up to 770 megabytes per second of storage performance. This mini stack STX is great for things like, you know, bandwidth intensive stuff like video editing, photography, audio, virtual machines and everyday data backup. And what's cool is this now could be your boot drive even from your Mac mini. Right. You know, so if you've got a boot drive that didn't quite have enough storage. You could either boot from the Mac mini drive and then just 
have your, your big stuff right here. You go the other way around. This is fantastic. And the way that they've done this, it, it makes sense. I, it, it's no surprise, right? It's OWC. They know what they're doing. We say this all the time. It's no surprise that they would have figured out how to do this. So you got to go check it out. It's the mini stack STX from OWC at maxsales.com. And our thanks to Otherworld Computing for sponsoring this episode. Next up is Truebill. How many free trial subscriptions end up costing you hundreds, if not thousands of dollars long after you've forgotten to cancel? Like, do you really need all those streaming services now that you're back in the office? Right. The pandemic almost required us to have like 12 different streaming services, but maybe you're not using all of those anymore. Well, welcome to our sponsor, Truebill, because Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions you don't need, don't want, or that you simply forgot about. On average, you know, people save up to $720 a year just by using Truebill. Because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel, Truebill makes it incredibly simple. You just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap. And your Truebill concierge is there when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions so you don't have to. I've been using Truebill for a couple of months now, and it's amazing. On top of all of this, which I can attest is true, it works. Truebill, no surprise there. It also monitors my spending, and it'll tell me, hey, last week you spent more on this category of things than you usually do. And it's a nice little heads up to just, you know, have that that data coming in in a filtered way. It's really fantastic and I highly recommend you check it out. So don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash MGG. Go right now, Truebill.com slash MGG. It could save you thousands a year. Truebill.com slash MGG. And our thanks to Truebill for sponsoring this episode. All right. Uh, let's go to Larry here. Larry says, uh, I'm getting buried in emails with what seems like hundreds arriving daily. I tried Hey.com and that didn't work for me, but I did try to replicate its approach and I set up rules to send messages to a variety of mailboxes when they came in to, you know, uh, file them into a variety of mailboxes. I currently now have 70 individual rules, but it's not enough. It's also super slow, awkward and time consuming to set up and manage these rules. I love the concept of mailbox zero, but it ain't going to happen this way. I also tried to keep track of items by clearing unread and deleting them or archiving them, but it's just too much. I need help. Are there any tools I can add to mail.app to assist me in managing my mail? Help me, guys. You're my only hope. All right, Larry. Let's see if we can help. Um, I am like you. I get piles of email, more than I, I could ever have imagined. Uh, but it makes sense, and it's fine. But I definitely could not just manage it willy nilly, you know, I, I needed a system and the system that I have standardized on is SaneBox, uh, S-A-N-E-B-O-X.com. And I'll put, uh, actually I have a little sign up link because, um, it like gets you a free month or something. I don't know. It is, I, I couldn't live without SaneBox. I, we've talked about it on the show before and I, I've often said, and it is true. If SaneBox were to like close up shop, the next thing that I would do is go write my own little sandbox engine or find someone else doing the same thing because it, it is so critical to my workflow. What sandbox does is it monitors my inbox via IMAP, right? So it logs in like an IMAP client into my mailbox and 
it looks at all the things that come in and then it decides which ones stay in the inbox and then which ones get filtered to other boxes. And they set up a few by default, but you can set up your own. So I think one of the default ones is called Sane Later, where it will put things like receipts and, and things like that that, you know, are to you, but not like, hey, Dave, it, this is John. I have a thing to talk about. Right. Of course, I also for managing email, do not use email for uh, inter-office or even inter-family communication. Email is for outsiders. <laughs> no, no, no. It, it like it, email is super inefficient because it's you know like it, it, Slack or even messages. Messages is a little unruly to manage, but Slack is great. Like the, all the bands I'm in, we we use Slack. We don't use email. Uh, obviously, all the businesses use Slack. It's fantastic for compartmentalizing things and keeping it out of the mess that is email. But this same later thing. Uh, any of the same boxes are great. What's cool is they have some of their own sort of default rules, but then you can tweak it and it is a hundred percent customizable by new, by you. Meaning if it puts something into saying later where I'm like, no, 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 that whatever that is, I want that in the future to, to show up in my inbox and not leave. All I have to do is move it to my inbox and it will remember that training for me. So yes, it starts with some generic rules, but the specific rules are a hundred percent reliable. And the reverse is true. If, if something keeps coming to my inbox, I'm like, no, I want future things like this to go to sane later. I just put it there. I created a couple of other folders for myself. One that I call sane watched, which is like not quite as important as my inbox, but also something I kind of want to see. And the fo you know, Apple, Apple has, has trained us about these focus modes. I will say that the ability to not have to shift focus when I am looking through email is hugely valuable. My inbox is stuff just to me, stuff that I want prioritized. But then when I go do look at like saying later with all of my, you know, whatever, like the receipts and all those other things, I can be super efficient about it because everything is sort of the same. And I don't have to think about what category it's in. I just sort of look at it and I, I can I can move quickly. They have a sane news one, uh, sane news box for the same kind of thing for mailing lists and all of that. And again, it's super efficient to be able to look at mailing lists all at the same time as opposed to mailing lists interspersed with, you know, an email from one of our vendors and an email. It's like, you know, this this task shifting uh, is inefficient. So sane box, it, I, I love it. The other tool that I use for mail to keep my life straight is uh, small cubes mail suite. Now I use mail act on, which just lets me file mail with, uh, with keystrokes. It's, that's not, there are more things it can do. <laughs> um, but a lot of people will use mail tags to, and mail act on together to assign tags to an email and then, put it in different places so that later when you go search for things, you know, you have them not just filed and searchable by where they are or who they came from, but also things that you have assigned to them. I never got into that, but lots of people love it. It's, I think it is their most popular portion of uh, small cube mail suite. So, so that's how I do email and I, I recommend it, uh, you know, I mean, I recommend it cause it works for me. So I don't know. I don't know what that yeah. is. Yeah, I'm still in the Stone Age in that I have my mail rules stored locally and not on the server. And that's something that you can do with um, with iCloud. 
iCloud, Gmail, Fastmail. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, most of them have have rules on the server. The nice part about rules being on the server, or in the case of Sanebox, I would call that more in the cloud because it's a service that's coming in and doing it. But yeah, you're right. Yeah, rules on the server. Uh, the nice part about that is they will filter for your iPhone. So, you know, my Mac can be asleep and my mail is still getting filtered. It doesn't matter. I have no rules on my, actually, that's not true. I probably have three or four rules on my Mac that do some specific things, but by and large, all my rules have moved to the cloud and it's, or to the server. You know, it's yeah. way better, way better. So it's on my to-do list. I, we found out from another listener and I don't have their, their question up, but they, they said that they had like 600 mail rules or something <laughs> crazy. Yeah. But you know, I mean, you, these things grow over time and, uh, and they found out recently that Apple evidently has uh, capped and enforced the cap at 500 rules per account. So they're kind of this mm. particular listener is in in kind of a pickle because they're like, um, I can't add any more rules because I'm 109 over Apple's limit or whatever it is. So you're not good. Uh, speaking of email, John, I did something last night with relate related to email. Uh I uh, years ago, I bought domains for each of my kids and my son is starting to use that domain now. And we talked about different ways of, of doing it. And I said, well, iCloud plus like I would let's start there. Let's see how it goes. And so we're obviously maybe not obviously on a family plan for iCloud plus. Uh, I'm the master account and then everybody else has, you know, they're adults. So they are adult accounts, but they're, you know, sub accounts of the family. And then, and we have an Apple one subscription. So not only iCloud plus, but it gets us everything else, the fitness plus and music and TV plus and all those things. And uh, so that meant that, you know, we're, we're all open to being able to have this. And I, I did a little, I looked into it obviously before we started and realized, okay, the way Apple has it set up is pretty smart. Any one in a family share can add a custom domain. And when that account adds a custom domain, it can choose. Are you adding it just for yourself or are you adding it for the entire family? And it's not just limited to the admin account. It's not limited to the master account. Any account can do it. So what we did was we had my son log in to his account and assign, you know, add the the domain for only him. Cause it's, you know, his, he doesn't need to share it with the family. And it was super easy. The first thing it asks you, which is really smart, is, okay, what email accounts do you already have set up at this domain? And where do they point? Like, so if if we were sharing it amongst the family, you know, do we have like Dave at and Lisa at and et cetera, et cetera, right? And it wants to know that before you start making any changes to your DNS. And that's so when you do make those changes, your existing accounts don't get lost in the shuffle. Because you, you, you want it to be able to get them either in the old place or the new place. You don't want this, you know, gap in the middle. Now, he had never used this domain before. So we just said, well, there's no, there's none. It's fine. And then the next thing it had us do was log into our DNS provider, which for that particular domain is Cloudflare. But it could be GoDaddy or Hover or whatever. And I, I get the feeling from reports that we've gotten that doing it with GoDaddy is more seamless. But it was fine. Uh, we had to put some MX records in the in the domain and then a couple of um, like text records for SPF and domain security. And that's actually where I tried using that live text to share the, uh, Ben's tip about passwords. 
the SPF key or, or one of the keys, the DKIM key or something that we had to put in was just long. And so I'm like, hey, wait, we'll do it this way. And that's where it like transposed a G to a Q or whatever. I was like, hey, can you just, you know, copy that text it to me? <laughs> so paste it in. So we did that. It took maybe five minutes for the domain changes to propagate, which is great. I love that these days. And Apple won't let you move forward until it confirms that you have put all of the right things in your DNS. So their servers check. And if they don't find it, they'll say, hey, go look at your SPF record. Go look at your MX record. Go look at your TXT record. Whatever it is, it'll tell you, go make sure this is right. And that's how we I thought it was just taking a long time to propagate. And that's when we realized, wait, there's a mismatch here. <laughs> uh, but we got it together and, and we did it. And then um, we, you know, and then and then he added his own accounts, you know, to it. As soon as he did that, they were magically there on his Mac. So he could go on his Mac and say, okay, well, I want to send from the amount that's the account that's at my custom domain as opposed to the account that's, you know, that at Mac.com or me.com or you know, whatever he would, he would use for his iCloud mail. And, uh, and then we sent some test messages back and forth and they showed up where they were supposed to show up and everything was fine. Like Apple made it super easy. Changing your DNS is a bit of a nerdy thing. Like there's no avoiding that. Unless, like I said, that Apple's got something linked in with GoDaddy where you can just authenticate and it just pop populates it. It sounded like that was the case. This domain is, I do have domains at GoDaddy. This ain't one of them. So I can't test it, but, uh, but it sure seemed like that. So, but it was, it, it was a seamless process it really. I, and just worked. Now I'll report back in two weeks if there's, you know, something about it that doesn't just work over time, but I think it's I think it's going to be fine. Yeah, um, I made it super easy, so highly recommend it. Okay, so in a nutshell, iCloud Plus lets you bond your iCloud to a domain that you have already reserved. Yes, correct. Yeah, you. I mean, you don't have to have it. Like you can go buy it today, a domain, and then just point the the appropriate. DNS records over for uh, your iCloud plus mail. Yeah. And it, it just works. It's great. So that way you get all of the benefits, including all the storage that you have with iCloud mail, but you're not giving out your Mac.com or me.com. You're giving out the address at your custom domain, which means if you ever leave iCloud mail, you get to take that domain with you. So, which is great. So, uh, yeah, it's good stuff. I was glad to see how, I mean, it took us maybe 10 minutes and a lot of that was because we had the wrong entry in the, the record. So, you know, can't really, can't really blame Apple for that. So that was, that was on us. Ah, all right. Um, you want to take us to Barbara, John? She had a quick question for you. I will take us to Barbara. So Barbara asks, I have an ear tag that I want to put in my car. I remember that you put one behind your rear view mirror, but don't remember how you attached it. Please remind me. And here's the reminder. Um, so I got a mounting strip. Um, so one that I use, Dave, is the Scotch Extremely Strong Mounting Strips. <laughs> That's literally the product name? <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah, and it's great. Um the ones I have are rated at 30 pounds. Yeah. So, you know, the ear tag's probably not going to fall off 
you know, it weighs way less than 30 pounds. Yeah, and you're not going to be applying 30 pounds of pressure to it. So, yeah. yeah. These are actually sense. a neat product for if you want to mount anything and it's less than 30 pounds, then, you know, get get these strips. Um, you can get them at a Home Depot. Uh, that's where I got mine. Amazon has uh, them. We'll put a link in the show notes for that so you can just have them shipped to you folks. But, yeah, it's five bucks for a. Uh, these are the 12 pound ones, uh, here that Amazon and they have the 30 pound ones, but, okay, but cool. they absolutely have not fallen off. Um, the only thing I would mention, so I mounted mine on my rear view mirror so I can see the Apple logo. Yep. Um, the only point I would make is that the AirTag speaker is on the other side of the apple logo got it um so the thing is that's not a big deal for me because the thing is i don't really worry about the 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 sound output from it because it's in my car sure and i get the separation alerts um so anyways that's yeah that's that's what i would recommend cool they're uh it it it's a good product, and other people make these as well. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Gorilla's got. I've used similar stuff from Gorilla, and I like the Gorilla stuff. It comes in like little squares. It looks like these might too, where it's just like super easy, and once you do it, like it's done. So yeah, yeah. I still get a thrill out of. So the 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 separation alert still thrills me. Is that I have it in my car, and sure. now. In the latest iOS or Mac OS, I guess, also. Um, but you get a notification when you deviate from the position. It's like, oh, I can't see your car anymore. <laughs> I got a kick out of the first time that happened. I just got a kick out of it. It's like, oh, John, uh, I, you're not in your Saturn anymore. And um, here's the address of where I last saw it. Yeah. To me, that's just a fantastic feature. Uh, If you Bluetooth to your car uh, or CarPlay, but it it works for me with either one, your Maps app will have a pin auto dropped where it last saw your car. (gasps) And I'll tell you that we were somewhere. What did we do? We went to an air show this uh, this this fall. Uh, here at Pease, which was amazing. Like the, you know, the Thunderbirds did their thing, but I actually like the, the little planes, like they're the, the little biplane, little sport planes that they have. Uh, but anyway, we, we spent all day there and the parking lot was a runway, right? Like literally a runway. So there's no strips or, you know, I mean, there's not, there's no real way to locate your car. Like when we, and it's, it's just massive. Right. And so, as we were leaving the car, I'm like, okay, I like, I know what the trees look like when I am, there's like this little cutout in the trees. Okay. Like I can remember this. I can remember this. And we got out there and it was like, yeah, I mean, I guess I can remember this, but like, it's just a sea of cars. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, wait a minute. And Lisa had driven and her car doesn't have CarPlay, but it does have Bluetooth. And I'm like, hey, pull out your map. And uh, sure enough, it had the drop pin for her car and it got us. I mean, it got us to her car and John, it was like just people wandering everywhere, hitting their remote buttons, hoping amongst hope that their car would respond with, you know, its alarm or whatever, because it, like everybody had lost their car. And we, we just made a beeline straight to our car. It was perfect. So definitely remember that one. That's a that was super helpful. Yeah. 
Now, one thing I've seen in the media that kind of concerns me is I've seen reports of people having air tags attached to their car and it's not them. Well, you and you'll get an alert about that. Have you heard that. about this? Well, I mean, it, Apple Apple solved for this, right? Like they if I put one of my air tags with you, you will get an alert on your phone saying, "Hey, you're not with Dave anymore, but one of Dave's air tags is with you." Like if my if my if Lisa leaves her uh, purse in the car or whatever, right? And I, I grab her car cause it's the one in the house garage. So it's, you know, it's just right there and it's, you know, warm. Uh, if I grab her car to go like run, get some at the store or pick up Chinese food or whatever, uh, I will get a, an alert on my phone after I leave the house saying, Hey, you know, Lisa can track you, uh, which is, <laughs> which is also true. Cause she's, she and I share our find my locations with each other. And so she could track me anyway, but like, yeah, so it doesn't surprise me that people are trying this with cars, but if you have an iPhone, you would be alerted. If the driver of the car has an iPhone, they would be alerted to to the fact that they were being tracked, which is mm-hmm. good. It should be. So, yeah, it's not good. Not good when people are tracking people without their uh, without their knowledge. We don't like that. Right? Yeah. Yeah, without their consent. Yeah, exactly. Hey, um, Allison wrote us about a thing we mentioned in last episode. We were talking about Backblaze and... Uh, we were talking ab- ab- about whether or not you could ship them a drive to seed your backup. And Allison wrote in and reminds us that uh, uh, her friend Pat, she says, is a certified Apple consultant and tested the process of Backblaze shipping you a restoration drive. So if you need to get your data from them, they will also ship you a drive. Uh, she said they shipped her a drive with all of her data on it. She waited a few days, sent it back, and they refunded her 100 percent of the cost of the drive. So. It, they aren't charging you for the drive, assuming you don't keep it. But if you would choose to keep it, then you've paid for it. But I think that's pretty cool. So works in both oh, directions. Okay. Yeah, that's so good. So it's like a, a loner. It's a loner. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But especially if you have limited bandwidth, which not everybody in the country has broadband, then that's probably a better decision. Way faster. Yeah, unless you've got like... Uh, well, for downloading, you know, m- most people are on uh, asymmetrical connections with faster downstream. So for downloading, it's not perhaps as necessary. But it, again, it depends on how much data you have or how much bandwidth you have and how, if you have a data cap, right? Because if you've got it, if you're with Xfinity, they are enforcing those, you know, one, it's not quite one terabyte. It's one or it's not, uh, it's a little more than one terabyte. It's like 1.1 terabytes a month or something. But that's the that's their limit that they're imposing. Yeah, now. I thought I heard that they suspended that, and they at, at least hats off to my company now, which I'm perfectly happy with. And you you experienced it when you were down here a while ago. Optimum is does not have any data caps, and I don't think they ever will. Just I thought I thought we looked into this last time, and they said that they were in, they were putting them in online data cap. But maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong. But I thought I thought um, you and I had this had this had this conversation. Uh, they've never yelled at me, um, right? So I think I'm okay. Okay, so they they enforce an excessive use policy where they get to decide what your what excessive use is. Um, <laughs> let's see, optimum. But they don't have the, the 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 data cap is officially unlimited. Yeah, Xfinity's is one point 
two terabytes. Um, let's see if there's there's other popular ones here. Cox is also one point two terabytes. AT and T is one terabyte. And with I know with Comcast, uh, sorry Xfinity, you can pay. I think it was thirty five bucks a month or something to release that cap which made a lot of sense like i i i was definitely going to head down that path until consolidated showed up which has no data cap and um and is you know symmetrical gigabit which i'll take it's very nice but uh yeah you're right xfinity well they've been enforcing it nationwide for a while except the northeast for whatever reason the northeast was always excluded from xfinity's data caps and then they said but middle of last year, we're going to turn them on and people got pissed. Like you're doing this in the middle of a pandemic. Like that's not cool. And I, I think the States pressured them to back off. So I think you might be right that here in the Northeast, they, they may still not be doing their data caps, but, but they'll be coming for sure. Like this, if, if, if we're still on the reprieve, it's a temporary reprieve. Uh, and, and the end is in sight. Yeah, the other thing I got to look into is, uh, so Optimum has been sending me emails saying, hey, would you like Gigabit up and down? And I'm like, yes, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Makes a big difference for online backups, I'll say, you know, being able to just blast it full speed. Yeah, so they they have different tiers now. So the tier that I have, they don't offer anymore, uh, which is 200 down and 35 up. Sure. But um, as far as I can tell... The, the the gigabit up and down plan is symmetrical. Right. Um, and well, they give you all sorts of goodies and stuff like that. And I think it'll work with my current cable bonum. So that's um, nice. it, it usually it would be fiber would be the way that. Well, they I think would, that's uh, yes. Yeah. So that doesn't uh, work. What with I your read, cable modem. They, they will have to give me a, a fiber modem instead of a. Yeah, no, they, it's Doxus. an ONT. It's the yeah, the optical network terminal or whatever it is. But yeah, you yeah yeah. I mean, cable modems can go that fast, but the the cable yeah. infrastructure I don't think is built out anywhere in this country to do it. So it, it's mm -hmm. fiber is is the way that it, that that sort of happens. So yeah, yeah. But it's interesting that they're offering that tier of service because yeah. they didn't used to. Yeah, I, yeah. And I we agree. also have. Um, uh, who is it? GoNet Speed, okay. I think, is the new kid in town, and they they offer similar service. Sure, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. We're up and down. Yeah, cool. But you know, I, I gotta say, Dave, I'm I'm okay with two hundred down and thirty five up. I mean, yeah, it works for the podcast, <laughs> right? It works I mean for my streaming and stuff like that. It's like, do I really need more? So, so the, where I will caution that line of thinking mm -hmm. is I will rewind us back just a little bit to the dial up days. Right. And <laughs> no, no, no. But, but hear me out on this. Right. Because we all experience this and it, it's, it's something we all have some perspective on. And so I think it'll, it'll help this where people, you know, you, you like those of us that got cable modems early, you know, saw the, the, the magic of them and, and we're like, yeah. And then most of us were so excited about it that we became evangelists for this. And we would tell our fans, uh, friends and fans, if we had fans, uh, but friends and family uh, it, that, you know, oh, you got to get this too. And the response 
was was almost a choir of people saying, why would I need that? What I currently have serves me just fine, which is exactly what you just said. And where I caution that is, well, yes, because you're not attempting to do any of the things that that new technology would open up for you because you can't like imagine saying, oh, yeah, you want to join my Zoom call? Do you want to do a podcast with me? Like those would be impossible for with someone who is on on dial up. Right. Most of the things that we do right now are with our computers are impossible to do on dial up. You know, you want to update Mac OS? <laughs> Good luck. You know, it's 12 gigs. Have fun with that. Like, you know, even like the basic boring stuff can't be done. Checking email is painfully slow. Browsing the web is is was doable on dial up, but not with today's web. Right. It's so that's the only thing. The only time where I, I caution that that line of thinking is it's like, well, yes, in the box that we live in, we can't imagine living in the other box. Right. Because we because we don't because we can't imagine it. So that's right. where. But but that said. I actually agree with you. Like for what you do 200 down and 35 up, it's not, it's not revolutionary change to go to gigabit up or even 200 up. Right. It's, it's incremental change. And, and depending on what you're doing, like if you're, if you're doing online backups, then that change from 35 up to absolutely 200 up or a gigabit up is monumentally life-changing and might even be considered revolutionary. Like, and that's why I did it. You know, my downstream, I had about the same connection you did actually. And then I went to gigabit. I, I had 200 down and 10 up. And then I, I Ooh, went to right. That's crummy. Yeah. And I called Comcast and I'm like, is there anything I can do to get faster upstream? And they're like, well, you could go to gigabit down and that gets you 35 up. And I'm like, okay, do it. But I was totally fine with the 200 down. And I think I'd still be fine with the 200 down, you know, but it was going from 10 up to 35 up that made me bump the other part of the tier up. And then to get above 35, the only way I could do it was to jump to fiber. And, and that 35 is limiting uploading the podcast every week is way faster. Obviously now Mm -hmm. that I'm not limited to that 35. And, and then of course, online backups or streaming Plex to, you know, my kids all over the country and all over the world. All of that stuff is just, I don't even worry about it anymore. Everybody just uses it. So it's great. But yeah, yeah. Depending on what you want, you, you, it's not quite the same as dial up versus, versus broadband. But you know, I, I always just, I, I always check myself when I start saying, well, I, I, I don't need that. Cause I'm already, you know, it, it, everything I do fits in this little <laughs> box. And it's like, well, yeah, by definition, it fits in the little box, Dave. <laughs> that's that's uh, where I have to remind myself. So I still remember having to upgrade my um, analog modem to uh, nineteen. Uh, not, was it ninety six hundred? I think it was. Yeah, yeah. or fifty fifty six k or fifty seven six, whatever it was. Yeah, <laughs> nineteen two in the middle there. Then we had twenty eight eight modems. Remember? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that predates this show for sure. Almost, again, by definition, we could not be doing this show. Uh, it wouldn't have even dawned on us to do something like this if uh, if we were all on dial-up. In fact, my guess is we don't have any listeners on dial-up because downloading a podcast over dial-up would be well, in the neck. It would be super slow. From what I hear, middle America. Oh, I'm not uh, saying people don't have dial-up. I'm saying they're not listeners to this show. Oh, well, that's too bad. I mean... 
you, you know, <laughs> how, how many hours would it take to download this episode? Right. Like, it's just not going to happen. You're not right. going to watch videos on YouTube. You're not going to stream Netflix. You know, all of those things that we do don't happen over dial up and didn't even those companies didn't exist when dial up was king. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Hey, um, speaking of movies and all that, Andrew writes, he says, I recall mentioning that you owned an LG TV and the Sonos Arc. Will you share your opinion on the sound and or if you thought a different product might be better? I just purchased an LG C165 inch OLED screen and I'm now deciding upon the soundbar. Yeah, so that is the same screen and same size that I have. You might have the year newer because I have a 2020 LG um, C. I think mine's actually the CX, but it's the OLED screen, 4K, HDR, all of the wonderful stuff. AirPlay, too. Uh, and the Sonos Arc. You know what? I've had that for a year and a half, too. In fact, I got the LG TV, as we talked about here on the show, because it had the switch box in it that let me do the Sonos Arc stuff that didn't have any other way of getting that switch box. So had to do it with the TV. Uh, the so- We were happy with the Sonos Arc when we got it, when it came out, you know, a year and a half ago or whatever that was. Um, and and it does do Dolby Atmos sound. It always has uh, the, you know, and it, it it really does a stellar job in the living room. I will say this, the recent updates to the software and the configurability of the Sonos Arc make it even better. I like it like we were watching last night. We watched that new Matrix movie and watching it in 4K HDR, first of all, is like it changes the viewing experience for some movies. It like the James Bond movie was the same way. The new James Bond movie, watching that in, in 4k HDR is like, Oh wow, this is amazing. And then having that Atmos sound. Now we don't just have the arc to be fair. We have a sub and then we have two Sonos speakers as, as rears as well. So we, we have kind of the, the true surround, but we, when we tested it and I occasionally still test it without any of the rears of the sub, just to remind myself what the arc is like. And when, when Andrew's email came in, I did, I did the same and it's, it's stellar. It, and there's now controls in the Sonos app too. You can turn up the height, uh, volume, volume relative to the, to the, the, you know, the center volume or whatever the, and like listening to that matrix movie and hearing things come from not just behind, but above and down it, it like, it's amazing what is possible with a sound bar these days in your living room. And that Sonos art is like, it's a reason there's a reason it's, it's their flagship product. And, and that's it. Like it's, it's spectacular. And the combination of the two, the only thing was when we got that TV, we had the choice between the 65 and I think the 78 inch, I want to say. And I just told LG, well, send me whichever one you have. And they really would have sent me either one if I had made a selection. They chose the 65 to send me. And last night, Lisa was like, um, you know, we really should have gotten the bigger TV. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I think I think that regularly. I just don't say it out loud. Um, but, you know, our living, we could shorten our living room is the problem. Like our living room is like, I don't know, 25 feet long or something. And, and we probably have 20 feet from the couch to the TV. And, you know, so... Like if we're sitting in front of the fire, which cuts that about half, then the TV is like super immersive visually. But otherwise it's, you know, it's that picture over there and um, the bigger TV or shortening the living room. So maybe we'll relay out. Mm-hmm. Room. I don't know. But, but yes, the Sonos arc freaking amazing. It it really, it, you know, if, if you are inclined to head down that path, you will not be disappointed. 
That's my thing. Nice. Yeah, man. Yeah. Now, may I dare to uh, modify the agenda here to talk about my sound experience? I think that would be a great thing to talk about. But first, what I want to do is talk about our next two sponsors, if that works for you, Mr. Braun. Excellent. All right. You know, a lot of investment apps make it easy to start trading, right? But just because it's easy to do doesn't mean we know what we're doing. And that's what makes our sponsor Wealthfront different. They make it easy to invest and they make it easy to get smarter about investing. And the way it works is after answering just a couple of questions, Wealthfront will build you a diversified portfolio of low cost index funds in minutes. You can also build your own portfolio with things like, you know, say clean energy funds or crypto trusts or cannabis or tech or hundreds of other investments. Wealthfront even offers a socially responsible portfolio, which is their mix of funds built around human rights, climate change, sustainability and diversity. Diversity. Best of all, Wealthfront is totally automated. They do all the trading, all the rebalancing, and they even help you lower your tax bills while you invest. You can get your first $5,000 managed for free for life just by being a Mac Geek Cab listener and going to wealthfront.com slash MGG. So to start building your wealth and get your first $5,000 managed for free for life, go to wealthfront.com slash MGG. That's W-E-A-L-T-H-F-R-O-N-T dot com slash MGG to start building your wealth. Wealthfront.com slash MGG and get started today. Our thanks to Wealthfront. For sponsoring this episode. So the holidays are right around the corner. If you want help prepping for your parties and family get togethers, all while supporting a more sustainable local food system, check out Imperfect Foods. Everyday delicious groceries fall through the cracks of our food system because of how they look. Imperfect Foods is turning this around by sourcing quirky but delicious foods and delivering them to you in a way proven to reduce emissions. What if getting your favorite groceries put time back into your week instead of taking it away? With the weather getting colder outside, stay cozy inside and let Imperfect Foods deliver intentionally sourced groceries with just a few clicks. And my experience with them was great. I mean, these guys got you covered. They want to start things off with uh, maybe a Southwest salad kit or a Buffalo Ranch salad kit. Then on to the main course, uh, grass-fed beef or smoked salmon. And then for dessert, who doesn't love dessert? Maybe some organic dates or some double chocolate brownie bites. We said quirky. How about organic cashew milk mozzarella? Maybe I'll make a pizza. <laughs> it's all great stuff. Right now, Imperfect Foods is offering our listeners 20% off your first four orders when you go to imperfectfoods.com and use promo code MGG. Again, 20% off your first four orders. That's up to an $80 value at imperfectfoods.com when you use the promo code MGG. Don't forget, imperfectfoods.com and use the promo code MGG. And we'd like to thank Imperfect Foods for sponsoring this episode. All right, John. So you got some uh, you got some new toys here, didn't you? Um, I did. So in in our last episode, uh, I think uh, it was our friend uh, uh, Dave. Um, not you, but another no, listener, Dave. Dave. Yeah, that's right, uh, Dave Ginsburg. Yes, listener yep. Dave. And he was like, "Hey, you know what? The uh, HomePod Mini is on sale." 
instead of the normal price of $99, um, you could find it at many places. I found it at Best Buy for $79. And I'm like, you know what? Let me check it out. And so I ordered a pair. And dude, these things are amazing. <laughs> I should have gotten them sooner. <laughs> we all so, say that, um, though. That's great. I'm I'm stoked. That's awesome, man. Um, the The setup was amazingly easy so um you basically kind of like air tags it's the same experience uh, and with a lot of apple products now but the thing is so you plug it in you take your iphone you hold it next to the device and it's like oh hey i see a a, a home pod you want me to uh add it to your network and i'm like okay and it did and then i held the phone up to the other one so i got a stereo pair yeah and it was like oh all right um i see another one would you like it to be the right or the left channel and i'm like uh okay sure yeah 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 now they don't have to be a a stereo pair right you could have them in different rooms and just have them be separate correct i assigned them to the same room sure which is my entertainment center but um and they also do some weird, kind of like with the iPhone setup, some weird optical thing where when you hold the phone up to it, it looks at the LED on the top. Yep. And and then pairs it. And it appeared, it, it's now, I have two more devices in my iCloud list. It was just like effortless awesome. um, setting it up. The thing is, the sound on these is, uh, b- for the size of this thing, is, I got to say, truly amazing yeah um it's now a streaming source um so it shows up on you know either my mac or my iphone as a streaming source and um it actually shows a a little icon that shows two little mini um (laughs) mini versions of it and it's like yeah you want to stream to this and i'm like yeah sure um between that um so I've I've streamed so I you know I'll play videos on my my MacBook Pro a lot of times and so I stream to it and it's just dude again the sound is is amazing on these things yeah I agree um, I, I I tested I've tested both the HomePod you know the 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 original large one and then the HomePod Mini when it came out and and yeah the sound on that Mini is is spectacular I I agree we I didn't keep it because because we're a Sonos household and it just right it was like you know one ecosystem versus the other although with everything supporting AirPlay now like there is a world where you could you could integrate them and uh, if we if we were not already standardized on the A Lady as our mm-hmm. you know smart home out loud kind of interface and we you know we didn't have a voice interface for our smart home then the the HomePod even integrating with our Sonos network would would probably have been the the thing but uh, but we you know we are but I agree with you sound on those spectacular and and yeah the setup it's like the watcher like you said the air air tag or whatever it just you know just works yeah I mean the other cool thing was I got an alert on my iPad saying hey do you want to maybe download the user manual or would you like some tips and tricks. And um, the S lady is also uh, I'm I'm pretty impressed in in its ability. Yeah, yeah. And that I'll ask it, you know, questions and and it answers or you know like even saying like you know tell me a joke or what's the temperature or what's the weather and it's a 
It's really good. I, I was not a big S lady fan. Um, but with these in the room, um, I'm using it more and more. So it's, it's just a, I mean, yeah. you know, a fantastic product. No, and that's, it also came with, um, so here's, here's where they, they try to pull you in. They set their hooks. Well, it came with, so it's like, Hey, would you like an Apple music subscription? I'm mm. like, okay. Would you like a news plus subscription? I'm like, mm, okay. Uh, Apple TV though, didn't work because it's only for new subscribers. And I already, right. uh, you exhausted your trial on that. Uh, yeah. And, yeah. and I'm, I think I'm going to renew. Um, there's enough compelling content on Apple, uh, uh, on their service. I, I agree. To convince me to pay, continue paying them. Yeah. Um, so, but, but it, it's an interesting strategy in that, you know, they're like, okay, here's this device that, you know, is really cool and let's rope you in. Well, and here's all these cool things so you can use. Services. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I, you know, it's, it's interesting. Obviously when they came out with the first home pod, I very much interpreted it as we want to be in the premium speaker business, right? I mean, it was, it was a $400 item and yes, it had, had, a, you know, the Siri smart assistant in it, obviously, but you know, it was very much this premium listening experience is what they were going for. And, and then, you know, now that they've kind of that, that, that flopped for them, um, you know, I mean, we should all be so lucky to have a flop in our businesses that matches the success that Apple had with the uh, with the original HomePod. But, you know, for them, it was it was kind of a flop. It it sort of fell flat. And and they realized what people wanted was a a Siri assistant that was, you know, that had some version of premium sound, but not for 400 bucks, but for a hundred bucks. And obviously that's what the home pod mini is. And I think it, they knocked it out of the park with that. And, and it's interesting that you say that, <clears throat> excuse me, having that home pod mini, now you're using Siri more. It makes perfect sense. Cause it make they make it so easy. It's just right there. Um, this will may also encourage you to consider your Siri and smart home integration, AKA home kit. And so you might want to install like Homebridge or hoobs on your disc station so that Siri has access to all of the non home kit devices that you have in your house. I, I like, I've been super happy with hoobs, hoobs and home kit, both use home kit. Hoobs is just one graphical interface for, for it. And home kit now, uh, sorry, they both use Homebridge. And Homebridge is this technology that's existed for a little while. You run it on your disk station, your Mac Mini, your Raspberry Pi, and it Homebridge links your non HomeKit devices with HomeKit. Then, and Homebridge used to be this thing that you had to configure with like a series of arcane text files, and it was fine, but it was like this very sort of temperamental setup that had to be just right. They have now added a graphical user interface to it to make configuration and management way easier. And in the interim, Hoobs came out, H-O-O-B-S, with their own interface that they put on their own boxes. So you could just buy an all-in-one solution if you want. Or you can download Hoobs, the open source version, and put it, I don't know if it's open source, but the free version, and install it on your own hardware, which is what I've done. Uh, but either one, home Homebridge, the, the current version, which has its graphical interface or Hoobs, 
would be the way to go for you on your, on your disk station. And you might like, I, I have it in a Docker container and it's, it's rock solid. It's great. It's so much easier to just, yeah. be like, I want to install I'll have this. I'll think of it a whirl. So, yeah. so the thing is the home app sees, um, it sees the home pods. Yeah. Um, and it sees my Apple TV and one other device. But my only disappointment is that, and I think I told you, yeah, you know, we got that uh, smart alarm clock. Um, yeah, the Google one. Yeah. Um, that was a much better experience in that it had a button saying, hey, you want me to import your setup from your other smart device? Right. Right. Whereas this, it, it's going to be a bit more effort. So, yeah. you know, I may consider... I put a link in the show notes to a YouTube video that is the one I use to walk me through setting up hoobs on my disk station. And, it, you know, it was about a 15 minute video. Okay. And, and it's it's, you know, at the time, I mean, and I think it's still relevant. I'm trying to think that if that was um, pre DSM seven, but Docker didn't change for the for the way hoobs works. It didn't change all that much. But yeah, getting that set up really, you know, give yourself a half hour and watch, you know, have the video in one window and your, um, you know, your DSM interface in the other and, you know, pause and resume the video as you're going and it'll walk you right through it. You'll you'll have hoops set up in the end. It it works great. I'm I'm really impressed with. Yeah. With the only well hitch that I ran to ran into is that at one point it was only playing audio out of one speaker. Oh, I'm like, OK. Time to reset everything. Interesting. And they make it pretty straightforward. Yeah. Um, you know, you got to start it up. You hold it as a, you know, touch sensitive um, contact yeah. on the top. Yeah. Um, and now are you using fun. these? You're not using these with your entertainment center as your like TV speakers or anything. You're just, you're just using them with your Mac and your iPhone. That and was offered as an option during setup. So I may enable that to make it a, a, yeah, um, yeah. So no, I didn't. And they offer that during the setup. They're like, "Hey, would you like to make this a, a yeah. target for, uh, for you know, your Mac stuff?" And I'm like, "Eh, not now, not now." Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that makes sense. It, it, but I can airplay to them, correct? Which is which is primarily what, what I do. Yeah, well, and that's kind of what would happen if you're up. If you said, "Let my Apple TV use these as a a sound." Uh, I mean, you just go in and set it up in the, in the airplay menu in your Apple TV. It, I, I am, I'm spoiled. Let me, let's say that first. Uh, I always find it a little weird listening to TV without a center channel um, mm. having, and I know that like with, with the magic of, of audio processing, you can, have speakers to your left and right that will create, you know, a, what they call a phantom center channel where you really hear the sound in the middle. And then it, it, it splits the stereo out of phase in a different way. And like, it's, it's cool, but it, it always sounds a little ghosty to have the, the sound from the voices on the TV coming from, you know, over there as opposed to where the TV is to me, but a, I'm super picky and B I'm super spoiled and I have center channels and I like, I, you know, but I know people that use HomePods with their TV and like it, but just be aware that you might find that. Although you, I don't think you have a center channel on your TV currently, right? So you're all, you're already used to 
hearing the phantom I have, center right yeah you know my setup so yeah. i have i have a sony um tuner right and i have two rear and two front so yeah i don't you, i do not have a center yeah so channel. you'd be fine okay so then you'd be in great shape with it yeah 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 okay there you go yep yeah but the thing is the sound out of these it almost sound it, it, it almost feels like surround i don't know what they're doing in the audio space but it, it just sounds really yeah, well, this is in a in a way, I guess this is your first experience with smart like speakers that are thinking for themselves in terms in terms of tuning themselves to the room. And and that, you know, Sonos did that with their true play number of years ago. Other manufacturers do it in their own ways. You know, Apple and Sonos certainly aren't alone in that world. But that whole thing of having a speaker that's properly tuned to your room and with the home pod, you know, a speaker that's built to send sound sort of in, in lots of directions, not just in a focused single direction, like a, like a traditional cabineted speaker. It makes a big difference, you know, to, so yeah, it, it, right. It will sound like it's just sort of sound everywhere, which is amazing. Yeah. It's It's cool. Yeah. And I think they actually call it the, the, it, it's a feature in one of the menus sound check. I think they call it yeah. where, yeah, the speakers are smart and they kind of figure out, okay, you know, which what should I do to sound as good as yeah, possible? Yeah, yeah, it's, sound check is different, right? Sound check is the one that normalizes the sound from different uh yeah. song to song or whatever. I think I think I don't think Apple's calling their room tuning thing sound check, but you're right, it does it. Yeah, it, it's a it's a thing. And it's smart enough if you move it to just redo it. It's cool. All right, we got time for a couple more cool stuff found here, but this is great. Um, Joe in uh, calls us back to the last episode where we were talking about robot vacuums. And uh, he says, I thought I should mention that our friends at Wise, W-Y-Z-E, also have a smart vacuum. It, too, has LiDAR and does LiDAR mapping and everything else that you mentioned. He says... Uh, it currently is $297, and he says when I bought it when it was introduced, it was $197. That's a great price, right? Because that Neato D10, I think, is like six or 700 bucks. So uh, he says, I've only had one other smart vacuum, vacuum before, so I might not be the best judge of performance, but I find it great at cleaning and seldom has issues navigating. That's pretty cool. And so I'll put a link to that in the show notes. That's a great deal, even at 300 bucks, the current price. Like that... If it's doing LIDAR mapping and you can sort of map out, you know, no go and go zones like which I'm sure you can because they're the folks at wise and they're they they're smart at this stuff. Uh, that's pretty good. So thanks for that, Joe. That's I might have to buy one of those for a different floor of the house. Huh. <laughs> huh. All right. Yes. Good. 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 Uh, how are we doing? We still have room. Um, listener Russell. We were talking about the demise of name bench. Uh, recently and uh and he says uh this uh this solution relies on a subscription to something you mention often thing he says but thing has a dns benchmark function that does what name bench used to do before name bench uh, met its demise he says i started using thing and bought a thing box after hearing about them on the show thing has a pretty good dns benchmark function in the paid for tools on the main menu you go uh, to tools DNS benchmark and it'll tell you what DNS services, you know, are, are going to be the fastest for you uh, and all of that. So, yeah, no, that's good to know, because you're right. A lot of us have uh, thing boxes and or pay for the thing service. So 
that that it's not too esoteric at all, Russell. I think we've we've defined it to not be esoteric. That thing box is a fun little fun little thing to have on the network. I am finding like I get less and less utility out of it um, just because I have other things like my my Synology and my uh, Eero will tell me when they see new things on the network. And so most of the time. The mm-hmm. thing box is telling me things I already knew, like I already already got alerts for. But I do have a couple of devices uh, that were falling off the network on a not uh, desired basis. One of my smart thermostats, Nest made an update to it that got it flaky. And then Sonos had that that Rome speaker that was awful with staying on the network because it would lose its battery and all that. And so I set up my thing box to alert me when those devices come on and off the network so I would know uh, if, you know, if something was a problem. And so, um, yeah, I guess I, st- I do still rely on it. So I, I lied. I just, you know, this is the thing with tools and automations of any kind is you forget how valuable they are to you. you I, I'm actually going to be on an episode of automators with David Sparks and Rosemary Orchard, uh, shortly here, maybe later this week, I think it comes out and in prepping for the show, I had to go through all my automations, my, you know, my ift uh, recipes and all of my smart home, you know, automations was like, Whoa, I forgot that I'm doing this all the time. And yet these are things that if they stopped working, I would know immediately. (laughs) So you can hear about that on automators and I'll, we'll, we'll share that when, uh, when the episode's out, but yeah, it's cool. Yeah. I got to, uh, I have a thing box, but something failed on it. I still have to talk to them about not getting a replacement. Not good. But, um, but no, I, I use their, and for those listening, <laughs> um, but no, I actually, the, the last time you, you should run a DNS benchmark every now and then. First off name bench, they, they were talking about an update, but I've, I've never seen it. Um, Womp. I think you can still run it from a package manager. Oh, I think. can you install it with like homebrew or something? I think so. Yes. Oh, interesting. Huh. But um, but no, their their benchmark is good. Now, as mentioned, yeah, you gotta you gotta throw them a few bucks, and you know they were nice enough to give you and I a premium. Right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. But um, charmed lives. But it's always good to run something like that every now and then to make sure you're getting the best performance because, as we know, network problems are always DNS related, right? Uh, often, there I mean, it's, a lot of them. It, yeah, a lot of them are for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you're right. I just did a brew install name bench and, uh, and yeah, it, it installed name bench and I just typed name bench from the terminal after it installed it and mm-hmm. boom, off it goes. So name bench still exists. I don't know what the results are going to look like cause they're not finished yet, but you know, I'm vamping for time here. Maybe they'll show up before the show ends. Hopefully they won't crater my connection somehow. Uh, you want to share Donna's quick? We've got we've got like ninety seconds left for for Donna. Here. Ninety seconds. Okay. Well, quick. Um, if anyone is looking for a clear case with subtle bling, I recommend the Spigen Liquid Crystal Glitter Case, which I'm using on my iPhone 13 Pro in crystal quartz. Mm. I've had one before. My mom has had the same case on her iPhone for a year or two. It's slim and has a nice feel, not tacky like some cases. 
There are no fingerprint issues because of the glitter. It offers adequate screen and camera protection. Um, and it has uh, good reviews on Amazon. So that's good. Cool. Um, Spec also offers something similar, but they're out of stock. So, oh, no. All right. Yeah. So uh, for the glitter crowd, um, go with these guys or, or check them out. Spigen, cool. I've had some Spigen cases in the past. I think that's, I don't know. Huh? That's how I've always pronounced them. I don't know. But yeah, mm-hmm. that I, I've, and I think one, I think my daughter used one of their glitter cases for a little while. So yeah, cool. Very cool. Uh, yeah, that's, you know, I will point one, one last thing as we're on our way out here. Canva is a tool at canva.com. I needed to make an edit to uh, a an InDesign file that I had and Canva won't open InDesign files, but I had exported these InDesign files as like business cards or whatever as PDFs years ago. And I wanted to make an edit to them. And because it exports as a layered PDF, I pulled that into Canva, which is an online design tool and boom, everything was just like right there. Uh, so it made life super easy for me as opposed to having to start from scratch and all that. But even if you did have to start from scratch, they've got templates and everything. And, and so much of it is free. So highly recommend. I know I'm probably telling many of you something you already knew about because lots of you already know to use Canva, but I was new to it. So there you go. Enjoy. That's what we got. Anything else to tell them today, John? Feedback at MacGeekab.com. I think you said feedback at MacGeekab.com, my friend. I absolutely said feedback at MacGeekab.com. Unless. Of course, there's also premium that is at MacGeekab.com if you decide to uh, want to contribute to our effort to educate and possibly even amuse you. There you go. Edu- <laughs> and infotainment. There you go. Uh, yeah, that's what we got for today. Happy, uh, this is our last one of the year, so happy New Year, folks. And, uh, we will see you on the other side. Most likely, we will not be seeing you from CES. I can't imagine, again, I said we're recording this on Christmas Eve. At this, I've decided not to decide, uh, until next week, because it doesn't really make a difference. But uh, I can't imagine that things are going to evolve in such a way that I will choose anything other than to cancel my travel plans. Uh, Mainly, I don't, you know, it's balancing the value of being there and engaging with people, which is the value of CES. It's huge with the potential risk of having to, you know, quarantine in a hotel room for 10 days before I'm able to come home uh, if I wind up testing positive because they're going to have us testing while we're while we're there if we go to CES, which is great. Like, I, you know, it's all vaxxed. It's all test every day and all that stuff. Yeah, that surprised me, that communication there. Yeah. That they're like, oh, we'd really like you to take a test before you walk into our venue. Yeah, and they're oh. providing tests for people and, like, it's great. But, you know, I, 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 I would not... In good conscience, I would not be able to bring myself to go to an airport and get on a plane home if I had just tested positive. So um, the idea of spending 10, 10 days and of course, things could be even worse if, if I wind up getting a bad case of it or whatever. But the the, the realistic risk is being stuck in a hotel yeah. room for 10 days. So probs I mean, not, but we'll see. We have almost a week before that decision will be made. So maybe things will change, but I doubt it. 
That's yeah, what we got. I mean, it was it wasn't too weird. So I, my friend Barry came out here. He mm. uh, he came out here to see uh, Billy Joel. Yeah. At uh, and so I took the train. I took the subway. I, I think the most uncomfortable part was taking the subway because it was packed. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But the the, the train was fine. Um. That's good. That's good. That's actually good to hear. Yeah. 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 So. Yeah, stay safe, folks. Have uh, have fun, and um, don't do anything we wouldn't do. Uh, okay. Yeah. You know, Happy New Year. I'm not sure. That's a pretty short list, John. I, I, I know I'm not I'm not asking too much of people. Gosh, I'm I'm just trying to think of what what would be a good way to wrap up the year. With with something for the people, and you know what, I, I have an idea. We we uh, you're wearing your Max Stock shirt while we record this, John, and I'm reminded of uh, something we all did together at Max Stock, and something we all said together at Max Stock, and I think maybe that advice is what we're really seeking here to as we as we blast off out of 2021 in to 2022. So, crowd at Max Stock, take it away. Don't get 